How many is ready for Christmas? Let me ask it again. How many is ready for Christmas? Woo, that's a little better, a little better. How many is done with your shopping for Christmas? Go ahead, honey. Put your hand up. Go ahead and say yes. We're pretty much done. I want to welcome you here. Uh, if we have any visitors, I know we have Kevin Stone. <coughs> Excuse me. Friend from Kentucky and Charles and Summers. Uh, Charles's parents, actually. And it's good to have them with us. And uh, I want to welcome you here to the assembly. How many of you have never been here before? If you're in the service today, you've never been here before. Two? Three? Well, I'll tell you. It's good to have you with us. It really is. It really is good to have you. Amen. I've been doing a, a series on uh, God came near. And uh, at some point in your life, there was something he came near to you for. Either you were hungry or, or maybe just divinely he showed up and he done something for you. And uh, like, like Kara said about Preston, there so many times, I sing so loud while I go, I about lost my whole voice. <clears throat> my voice. And uh, it's been so many times out of the blue, God would just come through. Y'all have heard me tell this story before and, and um, I've got a little more time so I'm going to venture off into a little bit of a story. When I was, um, before I went to college, and uh, I went to one year Eastern Kentucky University, and then after that, I was, and some of you are saying, oh, I've heard this before, yes, you have, but you will hear it again. And, uh, and after one year, I, I decided that school was not for me, and so I dropped out of college, and I went to work with my dad, and I ran uh, this parts store there, and, and uh, so I was 19 years old, and just full of knowledge, and all the wisdom of the world, and, and uh but the next fall, six months or so later, I went out to uh, Central Bible College. Uh, actually, before I went out there, I started feeling a little prompting. And the Lord wanted me to go to, to learn sign language, you know, sign language and deaf people and deaf church. And, and so I, I felt compelled. I would go upstairs after I'd get off work, and I'd go to my bedroom. And my, I got my sister's old bedroom because my bedroom was a big one with a bathroom and everything upstairs. And when I went off to college, I got demoted. And I got stuck in her little rinky-dink bedroom, and she got it. And I think it still bothers me to this day. And so, so I'm sitting there in the floor watching TV, watching ESPN. And, and I looked over to this little book and over to the side, and it said, Talk With Your Hands. And it showed an engine. Indian, sorry, Indian, uh, Chief Ray Cloud, uh, uh, an Indian, and it showed him th uh, doing smoke signals. And I, and I picked it up and I looked at it. No, it's kind of weird how sometimes the Lord prompts things and he does things, but I felt compelled to pick it up and I looked at it and I said, there is no way I could ever learn this. So I shut it and I put it back. You know, I just forgot about it. Well, the next day or two days later, I went in there and said, now my routine, I got off work, come home, sit in the floor and watch ESPN because back in the day, was, that was well, my life. And, uh, and so I picked it up again. And I said, Lord, just nobody was home. My mom might have been downstairs cooking or doing something. But I said, Lord, are you trying to talk to me? Why are you speaking to me? And... Uh, so I started thinking about, Lord, this is the direction you're going in my life. You know, I just, I need some direction. My brother was dating a girl with the evangel, uh, Petrina Hart. And, uh, and I went, went out. I was dating a girl at Eastern Kentucky University. She was a majorette. She was a, a twirler girl at the, in the band. And, and, uh, and so I had to go out there to visit the school uh, well, while she wouldn't know. So she had a road trip because I wasn't going to tell her. She went on a road trip. And. And, uh, and uh, my brother and I drove out to Springfield. It's 11 hours. We drove out there, and, and uh, we went to Evangel first. And I thought, there's no way. I don't like this place. And Evangel lots here. And, uh, and then we went over to CBC. And actually, when we pulled into the parking lot, there was some moms doing their miming or whatever. And as soon as we pulled up, I didn't, I didn't get out of the car. I just sat there and went, okay. where I was supposed to be. And the rest is history. But I want to tell you something. There's a lot of times when we're looking for big signs in life. 
I was listening to a preacher this week on my phone on YouTube, and he was going through the same scenario years ago when in ministry. He was putting so many fleeces out before the Lord, and, and that's a whole lot more to my story than that, but that's it in a nutshell. And many times we put a lot of fleeces out. We keep saying, well, Lord, if it's you, you'll do this. And, and Lord, if you really want me to go, do this. And, and Lord, I, I'm afraid it's just me working in the flesh here. I, I ask you, if it is you, you do this. And he continues to answer these things. Trust him. I can say this now, you know, after I'm past it, but trust him. When the Lord speaks to your heart and he begins to place, uh, uh, Mary Beth was talking about, what he was talking about a while ago. Uh, it goes with this, though. When you feel promptings, man, pay attention. There are so many times the Holy Spirit is trying to work in all of our lives. You may be sitting here this morning, before, between now and the rest of the service, and you may think, man, I've never given him a chance. I've never given God a chance to work in my life, to, to do things in my life. All these series of events in my life have happened, but there's a series of events that have happened to bring you to maybe this place. And he's speaking directly to you. And that is not part of my message, but it kind of goes along with it. God came near. How could he do that? How could God come near me in my life as, as, as big of a heathen as I've been, as big as, as many mistakes as I have made, as, as far off course as I've gotten? How could he come near me? He'll always come near to you. Many times it's, it's uh, subtle, but sometimes it's loud and boisterous and big. He'll come, in, he'll come into your life and he'll speak to you. He just does. That's just the way he operates. And the end result of all of this, when God comes near, he makes a difference in your life. He makes a difference. It isn't always the answer prayer. It isn't always the clear direction. But if you will let him, he will make direction in your life. I'm going to read this. God came near. It happened in a moment. And a most remarkable moment, God came near. He didn't come as a flash of light or as an unapproachable conqueror, but one whose cries were heard in a stable and heard by a peasant girl and a carpenter. The hands that held him were not manicured, but they were callous and dirty. We've had three babies here in the past week. We got Poppy back here in the back and pumped that she's here this morning. And, and I've got two more females that were born. Uh, uh, Colin Haley had a, uh, a baby at 932, I believe it was. And then Blake and, and uh, Taylor had one last night at 6-something or 7-something. That's three babies, and, and they're all females. Isn't that something? For whatever reason. Okay. Uh, oh, all three of these babies we brought home into an environment that is plush, soft, clean, clean. You know, it's amazing. The first child, we're always over paranoid about. The second one, ah, eh, use that dirty towel. It don't matter. You don't, okay, whatever. Okay, uh, let me continue reading. The hands that held him were not manicured, but were calloused and dirty. No silk, no ivory, no hype, no party. And he still came near to you. Man, if this Christmas season, if you don't figure out anything else about this Christmas season, this Christmas season is about him coming down here for all of us. Amen. God is good. So what is Jesus known for? If I ask you in your mind, if, if you begin to question a lot of things, but I ask you, what is Jesus known for? You might say, Want me to help you with that? It's, I can pick on Sandra because she can handle it, all right? What did Jesus, what is he known for? What is he known for? When I mention Jesus, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Probably most of us right now, we think of a baby coming in the form of a man, and he, and he came through a virgin birth through a, a, a young lady by the name of Mary. We think of these incredible Christmas times. But what else do we think about him? What was he known for? Go to Luke. I'm going to tell you this. Uh, there's going to be a lot of passages we're, we're going through today. Um, most of the scriptures I'm going to be sharing will be from the book of John. 
and there will be a lot in John, but we're going to touch in a lot of different places because I want to build a, a foundation on what we think about Christ. And although we already have preconceived ideas and thoughts and, and what, what our relationship with him is about, I want to reflect and go back in time about what he meant to so many people. Now, Luke chapter 13 and verse 10. Jesus was, t- was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day, and a woman was there who for 18 years had an evil spirit and made, and made her crippled. She was all, her back was bent, and she could not stand upright. When he saw her, he, saw, he called her over and said, Woman, you are free from your sickness. And Jesus put his hands on her, and immediately she was able to stand straight up and began praising God. There was something about this particular story. Did he just come to straighten the people who had a bent back? You know, if you've ever known anybody, there's, there's a lady in, in Dexter, I don't know her name, and she's as sweet as she can be, but she can't stand up. You know, probably some of you know her. And my grandma, she wasn't that bad, but she was about like this. She had osteoporosis and just bent over. And, and, and everything that they're viewing when they're this bad is right here. They see where you walk. They don't see where they're going necessarily, except for about five feet in front of them. But this woman, to her, if Jesus was a healer. He was the one that gave her back something she hadn't had from her youth. There was something about him. What was it? Is that what he was here for? Was he here just to, to straighten her up? I think it goes beyond that. I think this is the beginning of her life, but I think it goes beyond that. The same way in your life. We have uh, things we put before the Lord we want to see different in our life. And he sees them and he does them, but he doesn't want it to stop there. Go to uh, Matthew chapter 8. And this is where I was at last week. I'm just going to refresh your memory just a little bit. And Jesus came down from the hill or the mountain, and great crowds followed him. And then a man with a skin disease came to Jesus, and the man bowed down before him and said, Lord, can you heal me? Oh, Lord, you can heal me if you will. And Jesus reached out his hand and he touched him and said, I will be healed. And immediately the man was healed from his disease. Then Jesus said, don't tell anyone about this, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the, the gift that Moses commanded for people to be made, who are made well. This will show the people what I have done. Both of these two instances, he laid his hands on these people. Does that mean that God has to put his hands on us for us to be healed? No, it doesn't. But he, God is not limited to certain things that we do, certain ways that he does things. He does things in a variety of ways. And he is not just for the healing. We're going to touch on a lot of healing scriptures here. But Jesus was more than that. Was it the coming down of the mountain that Jesus was about? Is that all anyone ever thought about him? A relationship that he built with someone who was an outcast, someone who was untouchable, this man who had the skin disease, he wasn't coming to the Christmas gathering this year. He didn't come to the Thanksgiving gathering this year. He hadn't been there for years. But Jesus developed a relationship with him that only Jesus could. And it had to go beyond the healing. We need to understand that his, his works is much deeper than just the physical things that he does in people's lives. Because Jesus touched him. How about opening the bonded eyes? Go to John chapter 9. If you don't want to go there, I don't really blame you, but I'm going to read them to you. John chapter 9. And I normally have these places preset in my phone with little, little Bobby, uh, what are they called? Paper clips, but there's so many Luke and John, I couldn't do that. So, John chapter 9 and verses 1 through 12. As Jesus walking along, a man who had been born bomb, he saw a man who had been born blind, and his followers asked, Teacher, whose sin caused this man to be blind, or was it his own or his parents' sin? And Jesus answered, It is not a man's sin or parents' sin that made him to be blind. This man was born blind so that the power of God could be shown in him. While it is daytime, while we must continue to do the work of the one who sent me, night is coming when no one can work. I catch this. We have another healing episode here, another healing in the life of someone. And it wasn't just about the healing. He was looking to do something a little bit deeper amongst, amongst the people involved. He wants to speak deeper to your heart. 
when I was young and I was just praying for, for his direction and him to show me another sign, he was looking at long term. He was looking for 30 years down the road, 34 years of marriage, 36, 37 years down the road that I could not see. He was doing some things in order to set me up to, to I would begin to follow and begin to believe in ways I hadn't before. Verse 6, and Jesus said this, after Jesus said this, he spit on the ground and he made some mud and he put it in the man's eyes. He told the man, go and wash in the pool of Shalom and Shalom and sent. So the man went and came back seeing. Was this just a story about him fixing somebody's eyes with some mud? Had he ever done that before? No. Everything is ironically different in all these situations, a different part of the body and a different avenue of which he brought healing. Luke chapter 8. We have a scenario where Jairus comes before Jesus and he says, in verse 40, when he got back to Galilee, a crowd welcomed him because everyone was waiting for him. Why were they waiting? Why was the crowd waiting? I know in the book of John it says that they were they basically seen him as a free meal ticket because he was always feeding the, the masses. But why were they waiting? I'm sure some of them wanted to hear the word. They wanted to hear something fresh. They wanted to be challenging and walk. But others wanted to see the miracles. They wanted to see the blind to see. They wanted to see the deaf hear. They wanted to watch the, the crippled walk and, and all these things. Oh, let's read on. A man named Jairus, a leader of the synagogue, came to Jesus and fell at his feet, begging him to come to his house. Jairus, was only, his only daughter, was about 12 and was dying. And Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house, and the people were all around him. And a woman was in the crowd who had been bleeding for 12 years, but no one was able to heal her. So she, so she came up behind, behind Jesus and touched the edge of his coat, and instantly her blood stopped flowing. Jesus said, who touched me? When all the people that said they had not touched him, Peter said, Master, there are people all around you and are pushing against you. But Jesus said, someone did touch me. Because I felt the power go out from me. Unique. Nobody else would have ever known but the woman. The issue that she had and the thing that she sought God for, she got it through a touch. And many times we want all these things. We, we come before God and we pray for certain things. And she just, unbeknownst to him, she just reached out and touched his clothes as he went by. And instantly he knew he had performed a miracle. Let's continue. When, when the woman saw that she could not hide, she came forward shaking and fell down before him. Now, I want to stop for j just for a second. Three of these miracles I've shared with you were not common, were not legal, were not things that the, the typical church person would do. Uh, back in this time, if they were uh, followed the law, they wouldn't touch a person with a skin disease. They would touch a woman publicly in, in, in the crowd. And then the last one is this. This woman was c considered unclean. There was a law broken even with her touching him. Listen to me. Just because there's a lot of things in your life that may not be kosher, may not be church-wise, it may not be things you've experienced before. It does not mean that God is not going to reach in, into your life somehow supernaturally in a way around legal laws to get an end result. that makes sense? There's things that God does. The same way with this. This lady was healed. But that wasn't where Jesus was going. Jesus was going to Jairus' house. And on his way there, he was interrupted. I don't know about you, but if I've been Jairus and Jesus has been interrupted, I would say, wait a minute. He'll come back. He's got to go with me. You know the rest of the story. He did go, went to her house, his house, and the three disciples went in with him, and he prayed with the little girl. She had already died. They tried to discourage him. 
And he went and prayed, and she was resurrected. Was that what Jesus was known for? I've just read four brief things that Christ was known for. We're going to go someplace in just a minute that I hope to get us to what he's really known for. In John chapter 2, in John chapter 2, we have Jesus. He was just kind of laying back, wasn't really doing anything, and, and uh, he had a, he, a few people had followed him. He had, had a couple followers at, at this point. He was, in chapter 3, really gets into a, a calling people out. But in chapter 2, verse 3, When all the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now, I don't know about you, but I can just get this picture in my mind. Jesus and some of his friends, he was just gathered around. He was 30, 30 years old. He was just kind of chilling out, hanging around at this wedding and, and just sitting there. And all of a sudden, his mother comes up and says, they have no more wine. His response was, okay. Then she told the, to the men around him, Whatever he says to do, you do it. Listen to my son. Kind of a weird way to start off a, a, a future in working miracles and touching people's lives the way you were. But even amongst the unbelieving, not expecting anything, he turned the water into wine. It wasn't just any wine. It was the best at the wedding. And I'm going to all the history of why that's such a big deal because that's not the point. His mom spoke for him. Why did she speak for him? Was it for popularity's sake? Did she want everybody to see what her son can do? No. She saw a need and she knew he could fill it. Go to John chapter 12. I'm almost done with all the jumping around. We had a food pantry here yes, uh, yeah, yesterday, and, and we had a record amount of people. We've never had over 200 people before. We had 200 people come through yesterday, and we provided food for them. Some of them got a lot. Some, some of them didn't get so much. Over How much was it? Yeah, well, families. 200, over 200 families came to get food. Let me tell you something, folks. I think it's great. That we as a church are able to provide food for that many families. It's just incredible. But if that's all we've provided for them, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Jesus is the same way. In John chapter 12, verse 8, he says, The poor you always have. The poor will always be with you. Because there's one thing about it. You can teach salvation. You can teach it. There's a different way to live. You can teach all these things. Some people always have a poor mentality. They will have a beggar's mentality. They will have an egotistical mentality. They will have a I'm better than you mentality. They will always have mentalities that are out there. But he said you always have poor. And they're always happy poor. And there's nothing wrong with that. But they're always a bit poor. But you won't always have me. That was the point. He said I'll only be here for a short time. Take advantage of everything you can get from me and what I live for and what I'm teaching you and apply it in your life. Did he come for just to cripple people? I wish he, I wish he would just straighten it out. And, and Terry's, he's limped, I guess you say, for years. And I know he's in pain all the time. I know he hurts. And I know it's very uncomfortable. I'm not, I hope I'm not alone. Just, and I'll think about it. I'll think all that he does. But you know what? He knows who he is regardless if he brings healing or not. Was it just for the lepers? The people had skin diseases like, like the, the ten lepers? The one leper? Was it the brokenhearted women? Was it the brokenhearted woman who was, who was caught in adultery and they drug her through town and, and she probably, I don't know if she was covered up, I don't know what it was, but, but she was miserable. Was it just for those who had been uh, abused or 
And then we go to the other scripture. Uh, he had to go meet, must needs go through Samaria. And he goes to the well, the woman at the well, and he begins to minister to, to the needs that she has. The real issue, she revealed to him that she had had multiple husbands. And the man she lived with now, he knew wasn't her husband. But that wasn't the issue. The issue was, I have something to give to you that goes beyond that. The same way with Christmas time. Christmas, is, Christmas time is great. It's enlightening. It's so much fun to gather gifts for the kids and, and receive gifts and, and all the meals and things that you do. But it's really something more than that. All of the previous examples of what Christ had done are just part of his nature. He was always waiting to reach and teach the heart of people. We'll see this obviously played out in the book of John. This is where I'm going to close. John chapter 13. It is only when the heart is reached that the life is reached. You think that if he'd done all these things for us, and I'd say there's probably every one of us have had something done for us. But it isn't until our heart is reached that he's actually finally accomplished what he came for. He came because we were desperate and, and the world has got a lot of problems, a lot of issues. John chapter 13. It was almost time for Passover feast. Now you may wonder, when God came come near, well, let me tell you. He came near in so many ways. And every one of these people, he'd done a miracle in their body. He'd answer prayers. He came near. But now we're getting to the place in John chapter 13 where he gets really close. It was almost time for the Passover feast. And Jesus knew that it was time for him to leave this world and go back to the Father. He had always loved those who were his own and in the world, and he loved them all the way to the end. Jesus and his followers were at the evening meal. The devil had already persuaded Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to turn against Jesus. That is, how, how many of you ever wonder why that was in there? I have. Who cares, right? Who cares? Let's read on. Jesus knew the Father had given him the power over everything and that, that, is, that he had come from God and was going back to God. So during the meal, Jesus stood up and took off his outer clothing. Taking the towel, he wrapped it around his waist and he poured water into a bowl and began to wash the followers' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus came to Simon Peter who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered, you don't understand what I, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but you will understand later. Peter said, no, you will never wash my, my feet. And Jesus answered, if I don't wash your feet, you're not one of my disciples. I want to go back just for a second. I want to interject something here. Uh, Peter probably washed, already washed him, washed me three or four, maybe, maybe 11 of the disciples. And then he came to Peter. Did Peter really think he was going to be exempt? I don't think he did. I think he wanted to say on bold or, Lord, I'm not worthy. Don't wash my feet. He said, well, if I don't wash your feet, I don't get to the heart of the matter of your life. He said something to him. None of this will make sense right now that I'm washing your feet. But it will. It will. He poured, okay, and, and Simon answered, Lord, then not, wash not only my feet, but wash my hands, and wash my head too. And, G, and then Jesus said, a person, has, a person who has had a bath, his whole body is clean. He needs only to wash his feet. You are men, but not all, you, you men are clean, but not all of you. Jesus knew that he would return, that he would turn against him, and that is why I said, you are not all clean. Verse 12. 
When, if, when he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes on and sat down again, and he asked, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that is who I am. If I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also shall wash, wash other people's feet. I, this, I did this as an example to you, that you should do the same as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. A servant is not greater than his master. A messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. We've got a few minutes left, regardless of somebody's alarm. It doesn't matter. Our first response to this is what I never watched. How many, how many likes somebody to wash their feet? You do? Some people, you know, remember we had a foot washing here about a year ago, and, and I was up here, and, and Nick was washing my feet. Remember that? I know you do. I know you do. There's something happens. There's something happened with Jesus when he was washing disciples' feet. He was making a connection with those guys. Here we have Jesus, the Son of God, washing the feet of everybody else. not only did he wash their feet, he knew everything about them. He knew what was going on in their mind. He knew what they were, they were striving with, they were struggling with. How about when he came to Judas? He already knew Judas was going to betray him and have him killed. He begins to wash his feet. I don't think he washed Judas's feet any more, maybe a little more tenderly than everyone else's. I probably couldn't do that. You probably couldn't do that. Knowing the issues and circumstances made the reason of why he came. He never once lost his reasoning for why he came. Never once. He was more concerned that they understand that, that who they were instead of that. I'm going to read some to you from Max Locato. Max Licato is a, a master of words. I've got a whole lot of his writing and a lot of his books. And he just makes things come to life. Of the times we see the bowing knees of Jesus, of all the times we see the bowing knees of Jesus, none is as precious as when he bows before the disciples and washes his feet. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to his Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he, was now, he now showed them to the full extent of his love. It had been a long day. Jerusalem is packed with Passover guests, most of whom the clamor for a glimpse of the teacher. And I never thought about that. Jesus is a popular dude, man. Everybody knew who he was. The, the, the religious people, the non-religious, when Jesus walked around, everybody knew. It wasn't he went tooting his own horn. It just, it just carried weight when he began to talk. It had been a long day. Jerusalem is packed with guests of whom most clamor for a, a glimpse of the teacher. The spring's sun is warm. The streets are dry. And the people are a long way from home. A splash of cool water would be awful refreshing. This, the disciples enter one by one. Take their places around the table. The wall on the wall hangs a towel, and on the floor, a pitcher and a basin. Any one of the disciples could volunteer for the job, but not one does. Not one does. I want to read that again. Any one of the disciples could have volunteered for the job because they knew what the towel was for. They knew what the basin was for. They knew what the water was for. Are you with me? I want to make sure I keep you awake for the next the next. Ten minutes, five minutes. So it's all sand. You can sit down when you want to. If you don't want to sit down, you can stand up. 
After a few moments, you sit back down. After a few moments, Jesus stands and removes his gar- the outer garment. He wraps the servant's girdle around his waist. Let me ask you, why didn't, why didn't these guys grab a towel and water basin and the water? They thought somebody else would do it. Or it's not their job. You know, Peter, James, and John, they were the three amigos. They were the three that everywhere that Jesus went, they were the, they were the close, they were the inner circle of his group. They were going to touch it. <laughs> Me touch it? Ain't no way. You see, I'll read it to you. After a few moments, Jesus stands and removes his outer garment. He wraps a girdle around his waist, takes up the basin, kneels before one of the disciples, he unlaces the sandal and gently lifts the foot. I just, can you not visually get this? Lifts the foot and places it in the basin and covers it with water and begins to bathe it. One by one, the grainy foot, one grainy foot after another, Jesus works his way down the row. In Jesus' day, washing the feet was a task reserved for, not for servants, but for the lowest of servants. Every circle has a pecking order, and the circle of the house of workers was no exception. The servant at the bottom of the totem pole was expected to be the one on his knees with the towel and basin. In this case, the one with the towel and the basin was the king of this universe. Hands that shaped the stars now wash away filth. Fingers that form mountains now massage someone's toes. And I begin to think, when he was holding Judas's feet, he didn't squeeze them extra hard. I, I, maybe we would. I think he worked it a little bit different. Why would Jesus, even at that point, maybe caress his feet? I'll tell you why. He knew what he was about to do. And his heart was actually ripped out of him for what Judas was involved in. Jesus knows what happens. Hours before his own death, Jesus is concerned, is singular. He wants the disciples to know how much he loves them. More than removing dirt, Jesus is removing doubt. Jesus knows what will happen when his hands are at the crucifixion. Within 24 hours, it will be pierced and lifeless. Of all the times we expect him to ask the disciples for attention, this one will be one, but he doesn't. You can be sure Jesus knows the future of these feet he is washing. The 24 feet will not spend the next day uh, following their master. Defending his cause. These feet will dash for cover at the flash of a Roman sword. Only one pair of feet won't abandon him in the garden. The one disciple that won't desert him at Gethsemane, Judas, Judas won't even make it that far. He has abandoned Jesus that very night. There is something about what Jesus is setting the stage for. And every one of these people... From all the healings to the washing of the feet, he was about bringing us to a knowledge and a deeper knowledge of him. What was he concerned about? He was not concerned that Peter would deny him. He had already forgiven Judas while he was washing his feet. He foresaw Thomas doubting. He knew that, he knew that they would all return to fishing. And all, honestly, all the disciples denied him when they scattered James and John were, were jockeying for position. Are you kidding me? They were just jockeying for position. Can one sit on your right hand and one on your left hand? Bartholomew or Nathaniel, he was a man known for his wisdom. He didn't have much wisdom now. So what? Jesus trying to speak to their heart. The same thing he tries to speak to my heart and to you. Don't get concerned about all the things that seem to concern everybody else. I've never been a person who 
chase a lot of fires. A lot of people are fire chasers, and what I mean by that, if the church is real exciting, if, and a lot of exciting things and manifestations and, and hooping and hollering and, and, and whatever, legs are going, hands are going, ears are going, whatever, that's a joke, uh, uh, there's, everybody seems to want to flock to that. That wasn't what Jesus was about. And if you get caught up in all of that, you're going to miss out on the reality of what he represented and what he tried to teach us. He has something to offer every single person in this room. Maybe you need healing. That's great. But he has more for you than just healing. He has more than just for blinded eyes to be open. He has more than just a crippled leg fixed up. He has more than just anything, anything you can imagine, a financial miracle. He needs to know. We need to know that he's our Savior. He wanted them to be complete, not, up, not caught up in emotion. He knew that in the morning they would hang their head in shame. He knew what was going to happen. He foreseen that it was pretty obvious. But at the time, they didn't have a clue. But he knew washing their feet was an example. The reason he came near was to wash their feet. And the reason he's come near in my life and your life is to wash your feet. Remove the grit, remove the grime and, and all the stuff. But it just reach deeper to our heart and make a difference in our life. So what do you need to learn or to experience during this Advent Christmas season? What's missing in your life? Oh, if people were coming up and we were praying for them, I would love to see your limbs heal, an arm grow back, or a hand, or, or a bad heart be repaired, or, or a joint that were aching, have peace, and, and, and they begin to flow and not have any problems. I would love to see all of that. But the most important thing that anybody can ever experience is the saving knowledge because that is the real reason that Jesus came. All the other things are attributes of this Christmas season. It's wonderful. But what a shame it would be if we never get an idea, an idea or a fresh revelation that there's more to this God than just a physical manifestation. There's more to what He does than just fixing things. He's not a he's not the handyman with a tie, with a belt on walking around slinging hammers who walks. Why has he come? Why has he come near in your life? What has he spoke to your life? You see, a lot of us, because he doesn't do certain things, we give up on him. If he never, if he never does another miracle, if he never brings another answer to prayer, never, but he gave you the ability to fall on your face before him and say, God, I need you. There's something missing on the inside. I need you as my Savior. Don't put conditions on your God. Don't put conditions on him. He'll be real if he does this. He just shakes his head. He says, I can't do it like that. If that's the case, everybody would hang him out over the fire. And if he didn't come through, then they they wouldn't find him legitimate. That day when he washed your feet, got all done. He was a, I think he was a neat kind of guy. I think he took the towel and he folded it back up and put it beside the dirty water and the pail. And, but he folded it back up. And I begin to think, what's unfolding in your life? What's unfolding in your life? It's the truth. Is there compromise? What do you really need from him? You see, he's as close as a mention of his name. Let's pray. If you bow your heads with me.
God, you're so much more than I think that a lot of us have ever even thought about. Even though we've experienced you and you've saved us, you've done great things in our life. And a lot of other people, Lord, have picked up that you're some kind of a, just a miracle worker. They've never understood that you're a soul saver. Lord, I pray in these next few minutes that we will all search our hearts. Search our hearts, Lord, for what we're missing out on this relationship with you. What you're trying to speak to us about. Father, I pray that you are loving and kind and all these things to everybody's heart in here. But God, some of us need a real wake-up call. Wake us up, Lord. Get our attention that we're not in control. That we have to totally depend upon you. We're going to close with this song. But I believe there's people, I, I don't believe, I know that there's people in our congregation today. You've so missed out on what Christ is about. What Christmas is about. You just need something fresh from the Lord. You need His presence really speaking to your heart. You don't need mir- you don't need a miracle. You don't need a money miracle. You need more discipline. You need a miracle from God only to you. And if that is you, my friend, these altars are here. Yep, yep. We're gonna give a Make an appeal for an altar call because the altar is a place of changed lives. And if there is something going on that shouldn't be, make your way to these altars. And then you get to speak it.